So hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Southcast this season, myself Glenn Price, joined by Ollie Warner at a very sort of early period in the weekend, Ollie. We don't normally meet up now. What time is it, Ollie? It's 20 past three. It's 20 past three on a Saturday. On and we're not, Saturday. Yeah, we're not doing a live podcast, are we, Ollie? It's, uh, no. it's um, as a result of the fact that, yeah, the game has just been called off uh, versus Ipswich quite late on, Ollie. So we'll get to talking about that, I suppose. But yeah, um, just to cover really what we've got this week, we've obviously got the Sunderland win, which was absolutely fantastic. So we did go this week unbeaten, Ollie. So that's great. Um, and then, yeah, we'll talk about the Ipswich game being off and some of the, the repercussions for that, really. But yeah, overall, there's not a lot of football on at the moment, is there, Ollie? There's a lot of games been called off this weekend. And unfortunately, it seems like we've we've got caught cold by a late call off, which is which is always frustrating for for fans. But um, with no one travelling, I suppose it could have been worse. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. You like fans obviously moaning about the game being off, which is obviously one thing. But yeah, obviously no one travelled, um, so so that's one thing. But obviously, yeah, everyone's looking forward to it. I'd I'd had my hair cut in the kitchen by my wife, <laughs> and I'd gone to have a shower um, to obviously clear it all away. And then I come out and see millions of messages and notifications and, yeah, the game's off. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't find out until probably 20 to 3 or something like that. And I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of scuppered my ideas. Because, yeah, on, obviously at the moment, what else is there to do? Got up, had a cup of tea, played some football manager. Um, and then, yeah, it was everything is all about the game, isn't it? It's very, um, it's a huge shame. It's a shame. What, you say what else is there to do? Some people say go watch the rugby, but I'd rather poke my eyes out than watch that. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's better that we do the podcast now. And I think, you know, just on the off chance, it is, it is Valentine's Day tomorrow, which I had completely forgotten until <laughs> about two days ago, Ollie. So I don't think our wives would have been overly pleased with us recording a podcast on Sunday night either. So there we go. This might earn us some brownie points as well. You, ne- you never know, mate. Um, so, yeah, we should just really talk about Ipswich, I suppose, because, yeah, I've just listened to Brian's update, really, about quite what's gone on today. And um, basically said, you know, covers came off at 11. 11 o'clock. He was there at nine, at nine and eleven. He, he felt it was playable. Um, ref came down at um, half eleven, and I think he said about quarter to twelve. Had his first look. Said game was playable at that point in time. Did another check at I think quarter past one. Um, said it was fine then. And then as those time periods have gone on from quarter past one, somehow despite it being the warmest part of the day in Shrewsbury, probably wasn't freezing at that point in time. The pitch has continued to get harder in, in certain points. And I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose the, the one issue really is with, with football stadiums compared to, say, me going out in my back garden and saying, well, it'd take a stud, is that you do have parts of that pitch that it, in this time of the year are always completely covered in shade because of the way the stadium's built, aren't they? And that's probably the areas that, that might, have, might have had the issue, I guess. Yeah, I guess we just don't know, do we? We have to mm. kind of trust what we've been told. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, hugely disappointing. I'm sure obviously everyone wanted the game on and it just creates more issues doesn't it another game yeah um, being pushed back and I think that's probably why the club was so keen to kind of play tomorrow on Sunday as well to to get this fixture out of the way because yeah obviously the more you delay you've got to push push this onto a Tuesday or mm. unless there's a season that gets extended yeah, so obviously we're two of the clubs that have played the least amount of games in the league as well at the moment. So we've pretty much got Saturday, Tuesday for, for a long time. And um, there was uh, some some debate as to whether it could be done in, over the next few weeks. But when we're free, Ipswich are playing. And when we're free, Ipswich are playing. So unless the EFL are going to start moving fixtures around, it seems to me like the sort of game that we'll probably see get played in sort of late April, um, maybe maybe in that last week of May, because I can't really see too many opportunities to get it fitted in. So it's a shame, really, because for, for town, we're going into it full of confidence. And Ipswich are a little bit on the ropes. And Paul Lambert was, was probably... 
probably under more pressure than he's been for, for quite some time and we'll, we'll come to the Ipswich fans' response in a minute. But yeah, just a, a real frustrating, in terms of football, Ollie, a real frustrating one to get called off because it really did feel like another chance, like Sunderland, that we'll come to for us to really knock out one of the big boys in the division. Yeah, obviously we've had got a fantastic record against the teams at the top. I know, yeah. Yeah, went into this game full of confidence. Um, I'd predicted a win, I think you'd predicted a defeat, but yeah. We mm. went into this game full of confidence and it's just a big shame we're not watching the game now. Real shame. And as I say, we don't know. We mean you've just been having a chat before we recorded about quite what's gone on today and who's to blame or what's to blame. But um, it's really interesting to see the, the Ipswich fans' response, Ollie, because they are pretty much all convinced that it would have been Lambert that got it off because um, I, I interestingly recorded a video off the iFollow stream, which I think was probably the cameraman um, that was, was recording the game. And he, he obviously receives a call from what I'm assuming his producer back at iFollow headquarters. And basically it's, it's him telling it, telling him the game's off, and him turning around saying, "Oh, is Lambert got it called off?" Sort of thing. And I'm assuming the cameraman saw enough of Lambert's attitude on the pitch to think it was all about him. But you know, we don't know that. Oh, it's postponed. Okay. Uh, no one's told me anything yet. Why is he? There's Paul Lambert, you know, kicked up enough of a stink to get it kicked, uh, caught up. No. Yeah, but, uh, it's not like there's, you know, puddles of water everywhere and it's frozen solid. Well, it might be, I don't know, I'm not being on it, but... Certainly, Ipswich fans have have taken that to heart. And and one thing I've learned from today, Ollie, is that Paul Lambert is not very liked by Ipswich fans, and and I think they want him sacked. Is is my general reading of the situation? Yeah, some people are trying to create a narrative, <laughs> aren't they? That they got Northampton next, so they'd rather play them. Yeah, um, to keep him in a job. But yeah, I've, I've got I've got um, yeah, suspicions that I'm sure they wanted the game to get on. I'm sure they wouldn't want to have waited. Um, but yeah. That's, I guess you've got to trust what you've been told and the referee decided to make that decision, um, mm. which is a shame. But um, mm. yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, it's a shame maybe a bit of not common sense as such, but maybe if the players and, the, and the, the staff were happy to go ahead, then it could have gone ahead. But I guess at the same time, the referee's got to do what he thinks is right. So yeah, it's one of those things we'll never know probably more than, than we know now. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? You know, in, in these no-fan circumstances, that if they'd have played the game between 12 and 2, it probably would have gone on today. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. they play going 3 to 5 is unlikely. And I think, you know, wonder if there could be more flexibility as the season goes on with, with bad weather and stuff to play games a bit earlier. And yeah, some fans will miss out on their follows and stuff. But if you're struggling to get games in, I think that might be an issue to play games in the, in the really warmest parts of the day. But obviously, we'll, we'll be going through winter soon, won't we? And it won't be such an issue, you'd hope. But just to give some context you know, it's 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 frustrating for town. You know, we don't have that many games called off for frozen pitches, no, and when the we do, the sand pitch normally holds up to this. We obviously waterlogged and stuff. We never have waterlogged pitches. No, and yeah, you know, normally and the pitch looks amazing. The photos we saw yeah. from Stu yeah. Dunn and stuff. The pitch looked like it's in fantastic condition. One of the best pitches in the league. Um, so it's disappointing. We normally get them off on a Tuesday night for frozen pitches, don't we? Because of the evening and it being colder. But rare that we have a Saturday one called off. It's I think been we... very rare since we've moved to the meadow where a game's been called off. Yeah, Lewis said there is a bit. Lewis Cox said there's a handful of them, and in, I think he pointed out the last one was just in the Paul Hurst season, just before we played Yeovil in the quarter final of the the. the... 
the B team trophy uh, as it is now. Um, yeah, I think the, the original fixture for that night got called off, didn't it? And we played it the week, week later on the Tuesday. So not that many of them, and I certainly can't think of too many on a Saturday. So yeah, I'm sure the groundsmen did did as much as they could. But the context is, you know, there are only five games that have started in League One today, and I'll bet you some of them, you know, might not even last the whole game. Um, and in League Two, Ollie, because there's even less under saw heating, I suppose. Um, only two games have started in League Two. So in League One and Two, only seven games have started today. And as I say, yeah. I think four of them had under saw heating. So you know, Hull. Um, I think Portsmouth have it. I'm not too sure the other ones. Yeah, but yeah. you've got to have it. It's, a, it's yeah. a requirement to be in the Premier League. Yeah. So if we got into the Premier League. And it was one of the highlights for me getting the Premier League when I saw the undersoil was installed at the Meadow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a requirement for the Premier League uh, to have undersoil heating. So yeah. that's why Premier League grams have it. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, looking at the games on Charlton been in the Premier League, Hull been in the Premier League, Sunderland been in the Premier League, Bolton. So you, you assume they're all because they've all got some. Although whether they can pay the bills for that at Bolton anymore, I don't know. <laughs> so there we go. And I suppose we should just wrap up this frustrating afternoon um, before we move on to excellent result at Swin- uh, Sunderland um, against Sunderland. Um, just by saying, I'm looking out my window. Ali, you're obviously not sitting in shoes, but it has actually been snowing the last hour, and it's not really sticking too much. But you know, gives an indication of how it's getting colder as the day goes on. So frustrating day all round. I'm sure sure Brian's Brian's quite um, frustrated about it like everybody else is and I suppose the, the last thing really before we move on Ollie, to talk about is it would have been the debut of a lovely uh, banner in the stadium today wouldn't it yeah. and it's probably just worth talking about that before we move on to the game but um, for anyone that doesn't know um, the this Shrewsbury Town supporters there is an officers um, I think they talked to a few fans about the idea and then went out and uh, sourced a uh, a place where we could get a banner to say you know get well soon to Steve Cottrell and um, went to raise the money originally looking for 500 quid and have raised almost I think three grand if not over three grand now so it's 2,800 2,800 there you go so fantastic work for everybody I think and the rest of that money is going to go to the NHS um, and maybe go to the, to the hospital that have been helping our manager all in all massively good news story and a shame more people are not going to get to, to have seen the banner really yeah a big shame but obviously yeah we'll see it see it on, um, yeah. on, on our next game which is a shame but yeah hopefully maybe there's always maybe the silver line is that the manager will have a bit more time doesn't have the stress of the game today yeah um and maybe he can get up maybe it'll help him so maybe that's the positive we can take that the manager won't have a stressful afternoon I'll bet the manager's been on the phone during this, the, the, the stuff that's been going on today to make sure the game got on but there we go it's the way it works so yeah hopefully he gets a nice rest in, in hospital because he's still there today and um, as you say uh, that, that, that's the end of today's shenanigans really so yeah we'll move on to a, a normal pod now really we'll look back at what was uh, the amazing result against Sunderland and uh, yeah we'll look at that now Ollie this is Williams number two and it goes towards Stevens. And Robinson gets to it, and that's it. Shrewsbury have done it again. And the substitute scores the clinching goal. So Shrewsbury Town 2, Sunderland 1. Fantastic result. Should have been 3-1, but we'll Should. come to that. <laughs> um, in terms of stats, so this, I guess, puts into context what a good result this was. Um, this was Sunderland's first away defeat in the league. Amazing. Um, and to get to February and to have that, that's pretty good for Shrewsbury. Mm. Um, and you've been doing a lot of work, obviously you do a lot of work with the club, Glyn. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes think people think that you hate the club and the club hate you, but um, you do you do have a, a love-hate relationship. <laughs> um, and yeah, you've been doing, you've been helping them with some stats, haven't you? 
Yeah, it's interesting with the stats. Obviously, there's a, an old uh, old guy, I think Mike Jones, who's worked for the clubs for years and um, does a lot of it by hand and has always done a, a fantastic, fantastic job. And every time I've seen data from him, it always fascinates me. But there's, there's certain sort of data sets and things that um, no one's really looked at over the years. So I, I kind of started putting it together. And the more, more I put it together and double-checked it all, the, it's fair enough to share it with the club, isn't it, and let them use it. But yeah, the, the, you know, I've been mentioning it on the podcast over the last few weeks about how Cottrell's been having this really, really good start. And it's almost on par with um, Graham Turner's start in terms of the best league start for a manager at the football club since um, our league history began and yeah the, the win against Sunderland gave him another three points and you know you can officially say that no manager has ever started better than Steve Cottrell now he's, he's done better than both of the, the starts to his to, to his um, tenure um, basically number one and number number two and number three are both the GT seasons the the, the AT season and the, and the early 2000 season um, so yeah it, it's amazing really that you know he's got that under his belt now really and, and something no one can ever really take away from him until it's beaten and knowing our record and seeing what managers generally do at town it's probably a, probably a record Ollie that will stand for a very very long time won't it yeah, yeah, you'd hope so, and hopefully then we can keep with Steve Cottrell for a long time as well, because yeah, that yeah. means he'll be he'll be being successful. Um, yeah, I'd love to have a manager for a few years. Um, that would be that would be fantastic. But you know, it's I mentioned this a few weeks back. You know, at one point I think it's after eleven games, the worst start to a manager's career in the league was Sam Ricketts, and within. I don't know, you know, two, two and a half years, we've now got the best start to manage his career. So it is statistically quite anomalous, the period we've gone through recently. So it's definitely been a mad recovery, hasn't it? So, yeah, and the only other stat really to bring up on this one before we run through the team and we talk about the game is that, you know, I, I mentioned when um, Cottrell took over, we were 11 points behind where we were last season. Um, it's been clawed back all the way now to just being one point behind where we were last season at this equivalent stage. So the recovery is pretty much almost complete. And as I say, we're at the point now where where do we go beyond the recovery? Do we start to push on you know, better than last season? So we're not far off that point now, Ollie. And then, you know, t- today, yeah. the game being off, yeah. I think we'll come back to this point because I think there's a few parts of this game which points out uh, we are, um, let's say, overperforming, I think, in terms of results. And I think there's a few bits in this game that maybe we can point to why 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 that's maybe quite a strong argument. Obviously, yep. we love winning. Yep. And, you know, um, they were talking on Five Live um, this morning about how football's probably the best sport because... You know, in, in sports like tennis and stuff, you know, the cream virtue always rises to the top and gets to the final. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, you, and I, think, I think it's true in golf and it's definitely true in Formula One uh, that the better teams do well. But football is this is the, such a unique game that, you know, you can have these, you can kind of defy the odds. Um, but I think there's some things that we'll point out in this game that for me is, is areas that need to be improved on. Um, and uh, I'm sure that the staff know that anyway. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, not saying anything special, but yeah, certainly our attacking play needs to be improved. And we'll, we'll come to a few moments in the first half and second half where, where that was evident. And I will say one last stat, Ollie, just before you go into the team, is because we're sitting here on Saturday afternoon and it, the games have only just kicked off, you know, 35 minutes into the normal Saturday period. We've obviously beaten Sunderland 2-1 at home, you know, great result. Um, and Sunderland are one of the biggest teams in the division. Doncaster Rovers are doing really well at the moment, aren't they, Ollie? They're like one yeah. of the best teams in the division. Sunderland are currently beating them after 31 minutes, 3-0. So again, just as before we get into the context of this game and how good a result it was, obviously Sunderland are not mugs because they've gone on to probably, they're doing pretty well at the moment against one of the better teams. So we'll keep an eye on that score as we go through the podcast, Ollie. But yeah, just, just spotted it then as I was looking at the scores and um, yeah, interesting really. But we didn't we didn't get three goals, we got two and that was enough, wasn't it? And um, yeah. yeah, there we go. Who was the, who was starting in the, in the starting lineup, Ollie? Yep, so Sausage and Goal, um, we had um, the same back line again. So we had Love, um, Ebanks, Williams, Ogbeta, um, yeah, as we said, the same team. Um, so Vela, Norburn, Goss, Wally, Main, and Chapman. Um, so yeah, same same 11. Um, and we expected probably the same 11 to start again um, today. Um, but yeah, I guess you were um, pleased, Glenn, to see the same team line up. 
I mean, I think we had this discussion many weeks ago, didn't we, when Cottrell first took over before he got COVID, and I was saying that he's always striking me as the sort of manager that likes a consistent team selection. The fact we've got a smaller squad now clearly doesn't worry him in any respect, I don't think, and I think he likes to keep playing the same players week in, week out, as long as they've got the fitness, not too many changes. It, that's what we're going to see under Cottrell, I think, for the rest of the season. Whether that's something he'll adapt last season, depending on the players he gets in, I don't know. But, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to see consistent team selection. I think it brings the best out of players, Ollie. And I think, you know, you start to see those um, connections, Vela, Norburn, Goss, you know, they work quite well from the, from the time they play together. You know, we'll see Main, Wally and Chapman develop more as they go on. Ebanks and Williams know their game each side out. Yeah. Williams is good at sort of talking through Og better. There's connections rebuilding themselves, I think, as we go on now. I agree, but I think there's one thing about having... You can't just have 11 players who are match fit. So I think there's yep. something about having rotation to keep players match fit. So, you know, um, in an ideal world, you'd want, like, you know, Davis, David um, David Davis to be match fit. Yep. Um, and that's the problem we had with Collins, isn't it? Really good interview with Lewis Cox this week saying he was never match fit. And for me, yeah, you, obviously you kind of want to keep a bit of a set aside. But I don't mind the odd player coming in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, to keep like the back three if we're playing two at the back fit, so you keep rotating them, so they're all match fit. Otherwise, you bring someone in and they're not ready. But yeah, as, as a as a general point, you want to see less. You don't want to see you know Mickey Mellon six sub six changes every game. Um, no. That doesn't work, particularly when you're winning, Ollie. I suppose that that's the yeah. other thing, isn't it? When you're on a run like this, you don't mess about with anything. You just you clutch the prayer beads and you hope nothing nothing derails itself. Unless there's a big tactical <laughs> reason why you'd bring someone in for a certain game. Possibly, um, yeah. I mean, Main's come in, hasn't he? And we've changed yeah. things around. To to, to fit him in because that's a better tactic now and you know you might you might see Banks, Williams and Pierre um, switch around when Pierre's fit again or we might go back to five at the back you just don't know at this moment in time but you know there are players there that probably need a rest at some point soon um, you know Wally for a doe is, is something we might see a little bit more of going forward but at the moment as long as the results are coming and you're getting wins every couple of games and, and a draw here and there I think he'll be inclined to go with this or a version of this um, and, unless the wheels come off which at the moment it doesn't look like it, Ollie. so yeah I, I, it's a team that it's, it's quite easy to love at the moment let's be honest about it yeah, um, and then, yeah, so the game started, um, there was a, a, a theme again, um, game yeah. started, and then a player went down, so obviously we had this against Swindon, but obviously both players are fine, they continued, um, but yeah, the player went down, and I noticed he was holding his knee straight away, and he's broke his <laughs> kneecap, um, oh, that's which is a terrible injury, um, but an injury I'm sure he can come back with, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bad one for him, his contract um, extends at the end of the year. Um, so yeah, it was really weird. And then yeah, Ledbitter was shouting for a foul, which was never a foul from no, his he... point of view. He kind of did some did his kneecap and then kind of flung himself some some way into Warley and then went down. But um, yeah, when I, I watched this game back um, just to kind of get because it was such an exciting second half in terms of Great. delirious coming back, I kind of didn't really focus too much <laughs> on it to be honest. So I watched it back and I watched it with, with just the player audio and it's All fascinating right. hearing the shouting and stuff. And yeah, they were they were moaning, but I thought that was unfortunate for the lad. It was. It looked like he'd done it before he kind of went anywhere near yeah. one of our players. I, I totally agree with you there. And, you know, we've had the Ebanks-Williams massively horrible clash of heads. We had this Ledbetter um, broken kneecap. And then we obviously had the challenge that Chapman made on Finney a few weeks back where he broke his leg, didn't he? And, and so, yeah, we've had three sort of kind of nasty sort of injuries recently, I suppose. And yeah. I, I think we're lucky in some respects that the injuries we're getting are not, are not these types of ones. I think we should say later on, obviously... Um, Chapman came off again, didn't he, in this game with with a bit of a limp and stuff, and he's you know, his got, ankle, turned his ankle, over rolled his bit. ankle, but it doesn't seem like from the stuff this week that it was a break or anything like that, just a sprain really. So, you know, game being off today is probably good for Chapman. He might be back for the next game. So yeah, it, you know, we're lucky that we've not had any of these sort of nasty, nasty injuries on on the pitch in in the last few weeks really. But yeah, yeah just, on, know, just on the Chapman point, people were talking about he was injured or something. There was no indication at all from the press conferences that he wasn't fit to play. 
No, um, no. So sometimes these narratives kind of build themselves. People start yeah. talking about it, but yeah, there was, there was no evidence to suggest he wasn't going to start today. You can certainly get away with a little rolled ankle, can't you? But then yeah. on the flip side, you wouldn't want to tell the no, team you, you play that Chapman's out injured anyway in advance, so you might want to spring that one on them anyway. So who quite knows until you see the team run out sometimes, do you? But there we go. So I don't know. That, that was obviously the first thing that happened in the game, but then, yeah, we, the game got going, didn't it? And, you know, it was a, it was a I don't know, decent-ish game, I suppose, in terms of town up until their goal, which was disappointing, wasn't it? But, yeah, good good cross from Chapman to start off our, our sort of attacking movements, wasn't there? Yeah, good ta- good cross from Chapman, too close to the keeper. He showed his turn of pace. And, yeah, it's Vulcan, who's on loan from Southampton, who's a player that impressed us in the game that we played in the, in the FA Cup, but he had an absolutely terrible afternoon. Uh, evening here against Chapman, uh, and yeah, Chapman did him one of the many times um, too easy. But I thought I thought we were a bit sloppy, Glenn. I thought we were sitting too deep. Um, Sunderland were passing the ball around, um, but I thought we were allowing them to get the ball into their strikers too easy. I thought we were sitting too deep, um, and I thought also we were really sloppy with our passing. Um, which you know, even you know, even like Williams and Ogbetta and the midfielders, um, the pos- the passing wasn't very good. Mm, I thought, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. One of those, I mean, individual little mistakes here and there. I'd agree with you. Sort of broke us down a little bit. That the front three didn't do too much unless we were trying to get it into main. It was quite long ball again, wasn't it at, at times? But it was also a little bit of kind of felt like we. And it's the first time this has happened for a, while, a little bit of too much respect for Sunderland. And that's the thing. You're right. Sunderland weren't that good, were they? Um, and no. it felt like you know, obviously the second half showed. Once we got at them, they they completely wilted. But we didn't attempt to do that enough in the first half. We were just a little bit too too passive and a little bit too sloppy. Right? Um, you know there was flashes of good football in that half from town but they were just flashes really up until their goal and I think it was the goal that really made us change um, and then second half particularly but yeah it, I don't know it, it, there was a few good moments from and we could probably talk about um, Donald Love here because you know he's been getting a bit of criticism from me on, online maybe because I don't think he's the solution uh, long term and I don't really think you do either but you know can't really criticise the sort of effort he put into this game and we'll get into the second half and his contribution but he, he tried to do as much as he could in that first half didn't he? You can say a player is doing okay and, and not say you want to keep him forever. I think Correct. that's a fine line. Yeah, Sometimes fair. it gets lost a bit in translation on Twitter. Is yeah, I think he's doing okay. But clearly, you know, we, I want to see a team that's going to compete at the top of the table. And I don't think Donald Love would make that start in eleven. No. Um, so yeah, really good turn from here. A pass into Maine uh, and, and a run. And, and for me, yeah, this for me was a great example of where the team is just not that clicking and they don't quite know each other what they're going to do. Love played a really nice ball into Maine's feet, but Maine had turned. And for me, that's just one one of those examples. And then there's another one short after this, where basically um, Vela shoots high and wide. Um, and then there's another moment just after that where Ogbeta puts a cross in, one of those early crosses, a bit of a Man City cross, you know, across the box. Yeah. And no one's there. And there for me were two examples of where it just doesn't quite work for us up front. And I think that's about, you know, increasing the familiarity of the team, getting used to each other's runs. Um, and that can only come through coaching and time together. Um, defending, I think, is easier to implement. Scoring goals, obviously, is, is the most difficult part of football. I totally agree. Yeah, that's what I just said about consistent team selection. The only way that, you know, outside of training is, is good and you will build those partnerships. But 90 minutes football under your belt playing your, your, your Chapman, Main, uh, Wally formation, the more they play, the better they'll get, the, the, the more used to each other they get. You know, there's even times where Chapman is as good as he's been, sometimes doesn't quite kind of spot the types of runs that Wally likes to make. I mean, when they get on the same wavelength, you know, um, it'll be brilliant. Obviously, Wally picked him out later on in the game, but sometimes there's still just a few things about each other's games that they haven't really, really figured out. But um, yeah, I totally agree, Ollie. It'll come. And, and it was. It, I don't know. That first fifteen minutes for me. That as much as we weren't great, I didn't think Sunderland were either. I thought it was more of a. I don't know. More of a just a nothing game really, and particularly with that long, you know, whatever it was, six seven minute delay again. Um, you know, by the time we got to fifteen minutes, there'd hardly been too much football out there. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it was obviously 18 minutes when they got their goals. So it wasn't too long into it. But yeah, just up until that goal, there wasn't really really too much going on. Um, there was another shot that Valorad wasn't there that went high and wide. And yeah, for all the little chances you've just described there, Ollie, in terms of what, what we did and, and that, that decent Ogbet across, Sunderland had a few scrappy chances like that as well. And really was nothing until the goal, really. And it, it was a very poor goal to concede, wasn't it? Yeah, really poor head, um, header from Donald Love. Yeah. yeah, it's almost one of those where he says he got a 50p head. It kind of went off at a really weird angle. Um, yeah, crossing... Uh, and then yeah goal and yeah disappointing um, from a Shrewsbury perspective Williams kind of all over the place the back line was all over the place yeah in real time the way that the players were moving opposite directions I thought it was onside in real time but watching it back numerous occasions I think it's fair to say it was offside and the fact that the way that the, the player really aggressively told the linesman um, for me I think he knew he was offside as well yeah, I mean, again, on the night, I've, I've not watched it back in as much detail as you have. I think you, you picked a few frames, didn't you? I saw on Twitter this week that yeah. showed it. It looked like it was fairly clear offside, but obviously the camera's on a slight angle. It's really difficult to tell sometimes. It was If it was off, it wasn't off by a huge amount, was it? Um, unlike that Liverpool game today. I don't know if you saw the Liverpool-Leicester game where someone was, again, offside by a, onside by a toe. It was a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, on on the night, it looked like Ebanks had, had played um, played him on, didn't it? And um, uh, unfortunate. And, and the kid, uh, I don't think he's a kid. He's not that young, I suspect. But yeah, got free, one-on-one with um, Sarkic and you know, you always back the striker really if they're in a bit of form and, and, and half decent to, to kind of do the keeper there and came out and did as much as he could, Sarkic. But yeah, um, not the best. And, and one nil down, you know, we've we've often talked on this podcast in the last few years and under Ricketts and even, even under Cottrell because we're still not scoring a huge amount of goals. When we go one nil down, we've often seen us just struggle to get back into games, you know, look at the crew game. Um, and there was definite shades at this point of the game feeling like that crew game, wasn't there, Ollie? In terms of we've gone behind, it'll be a tight League One game, you know, it would we'll, we'll do really well to come back from that. Yeah, and I guess probably, yes, Crew did a great job, didn't they? Um, very frustratingly went on the, on the defensive and Sunderland didn't really react. They just no, kind of, no. I guess they I guess, I guess in some ways they're confident, they, you know, they think they can, they're going to score another goal um, where Crew obviously went the other end and kind of decided, right, we're going we're gonna to defend and we're going to be really compact. Sunderland didn't really do anything. Um, and yeah, it's one of those weird games where we actually created a few decent chances, I thought, near the end of the half. As it um, went on, yeah. Yeah, there was a good a love cross and, and um, yeah, the header from Maine, um, a good cross again from Chapman, but but Powers cleared before Warley thought that was a really good one. Really nice bit of play um, from Chapman and Norburn. And this is where then Love gets his criticism because he, he crossed the ball um, into basically, if the fans were in the stadium, the fans would have been at, um, at risk of getting hurt. It was that bad across. It, it, it was that bad. I don't think you really can call it a cross, Ollie. <laughs> it was more no, of a shank. Was, yeah, he gave them, gave them the ball back for a goal kick. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sunderland were poor. Like they I can see why their fans are frustrated because, you know, I saw some of the Sunderland fans after the game saying, "Oh yeah, Shrewsbury this, and you know we should be doing better." But better? Why? Your mm. team is shit. Yeah. Like they're not very good. Mm. Like yeah, you look at you look at some teams and you think, "Wow, they got some good players." You know, I'd like him. I'd like that. Who out of their team, Glenn? Apart from like McGreedy and maybe one of their strikers. Like, would you wouldn't want Ledbetter? You wouldn't want 09. You wouldn't like the goalkeeper looks dodgy. Yeah. Like their fullbacks, they've got they don't play. They haven't got a right back. They're playing max power there. Like, is there anyone from their team you particularly want? I mean, for all the advantage they've had of coming out of the Premiership and the money and and the, the players, they've got a very they've got a pretty average League One team. They don't have championship quality anymore, do they? No, they've got Premier League stadium, Premier League size 
um, cl- um, fans. But uh, but the the sad reality for for their fans and the frustration for their fans, and I'm not criticising Sunderland fans. They're probably the best of the big fan big fan bases in the in the league. They've probably got the mm. most humility, and they're not as bad as Ipswich fans, who are clearly the worst fans in the league, who seem to think that they're a Premier League club. They've been a Premier League club for a long time. But um, <laughs> you know, you're you're only as good as your first eleven. Look at Bolton. You know, you're only as good as your first eleven, and I don't think their first eleven is that good. Uh, so while they can criticise Johnson and I'm sure he's made mistakes they're only going to compete at the top of this league when they get a good enough first 11 and and squad Um, yeah I think that's the nice thing for us isn't it to look man for man at a team like Sunderland and and our team that we've we've got now and some of the quality we brought in Chapman or better um, you know the two centre-backs are quality aren't they the two midfielders are quality and you know main you know you look man for man there's not much between a team like Sunderland and a team like us anymore and and that's the thing about League One the the, the sort of gap between the haves and the have-nots has maybe shrunk a little bit due to the fact that no one's spending too much money nowadays because of you know economic circumstances and Covid and stuff so maybe maybe this I think just poor recruitment mate yeah Stanley where Stanley were in the division they're doing really well Doncaster haven't got a huge budget but they've recruited really well it's all about recruitment and um, the Sunderland fans were joking that they even put the uh, the, the lawnmower on furlough so I think they put all their recruitment on furlough as well so mm. yeah it's, as you know football's all about recruitment unless you get that right you haven't got a chance in terms in terms of the half though yeah you know a little bit too long at times for me um, as much as most of our decent chances seem to come from crosses, there was also a huge amount of crosses that were incredibly poor, Ollie, and wasteful. Um, yeah. And and the last point I suppose I would say is, as much as we recovered a little bit as that half went on, I don't know how it stayed one nil at half time because it was a moment just for half time when Sunderland had two massive chances. Sort of one one was blocked off the line pretty much, and then another one sort of hacked clear, um, and then it went out for a corner that came in that was quite dangerous. And I thought actually, as much as we did improve after their goal a little bit, I, I was quite happy for it to be just one nil at half time um, because of those couple of really good chances, probably the best chances after their, their goal so we kept ourselves in it and that was the main thing wasn't it just to get to half time at 1-0 and you know we've, we've seen we've seen how Cottrell can kind of make us play much better in the second half and, and that's what went on to happen really but yeah I, you know I wasn't I wasn't too worried that 1-0 I much, as much as I haven't been coming back from there I thought there was definitely you know at least a point out of that game that could have been had I didn't think there was much between the teams so yeah there we go it didn't, it didn't take too long in the second half did it which was a good thing <laughs> yeah exactly I thought Shrewsbury came out and, and that's one of the things now so even though the manager isn't there you, you're confident that there's going to be some you know some some you know, it's not about shouting it's about clear instructions um, and Shrewsbury came out I thought we played a bit higher at the park I thought yep. we pressed higher up as well in the first half we weren't really pressing until they came over the halfway line where we were pressing in their half we were playing a bit full I think we were sitting far too deep in the first half we pushed up and yeah we started to threaten them um, yeah and then was, yeah, ball, ball was recycled from a free kick after a foul on Chapman um, Love put it into the mixer and main with a click on, and then a brave. really brave header from yep. Ebanks, and we're back in the game. And yeah, a nice bit of football from Shrewsbury. I thought, and we deserved. I thought to get back in the game at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of things to sort of like about this goal. Um, the first first one is the two headers are both brave for me. You know, Ebanks is close your eyes and, and just smash your head through whatever comes out and hope the ball kind of goes in but um, he, he said he didn't he didn't see it go in did he he just sort of smashed into a load of things but the main one is the one that you like to see because of the fact that we brought him in and hoping he can be the difference and, he, and you know as much as there was a lot of poor crosses in there if you can just get the right one he, he could have been completely cleared out by the goalkeeper if the goalkeeper had come he did but the goalkeeper didn't smash through Main did he he just, he just didn't didn't do anything really and um, so Main's brave to do that flick on header there you can you can get injured a lot doing that and um, yeah I, I thought in terms of, in terms of bravery and, and a goal it really changed the, the flow of the game didn't it and really really Sunderland back didn't it it, it was um, a real blow to, to how, how they because they weren't playing great but to be 1-0 up they were fine I, I just think they were really really ropey from the time we scored it was it was all our ascendancy from that point on yeah they play 
I know like there's a few teams that play this kind of four two 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 um, two formation, um, but for me they were just so rigid. Yeah, you know, they're basically like their fullbacks get the ball, and I understand getting max power on the ball in that right back position and trying to get the ball into strikers, but they're so static. Where you look at Shrewsbury, you've got Chapman and Wally Moon who've been moving all over the place, and Goss going into advanced positions. The wing back, the, the, the wing back, fullbacks pushing on, and we're a lot more dynamic in their attack, and they're so rigid. And I felt they just, yeah, like they did have a couple of chances as the game went on, but um, yeah, they they weren't um, particularly good in the second half. I thought. No, I think from that goal it was ours to win, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. we haven't really, you know, talk, you talk about movement, we should talk about Chapman specifically and we'll come to his, his goal in a second, but he just he's just such a luxury player. He floats around and just finds the space in all the right positions, whether he plays in the number 10 that he has done a couple of times or he plays off the right or the left of, of the um, of the of main up front. He, he's really good at finding space and then it drags another defender out or it drags a midfielder deeper and then it seems to be that Goss finds a bit more space and that moves things around and then Norburn finds a bit more space and, and his movement doesn't just create more space for him, it just moves everything everybody around to the point that it makes everybody play a bit more um I don't know a bit more freer you know Wally as well it the whole thing works so much better when you've got that creative spark that they have to really really watch with with dangerous eyes and the good thing about it was they didn't watch him in the second half and it wasn't too long before he put the, the game to bed really you know as far as two two one that's what it ended up and it was it was another really good goal wasn't it yeah, it was, and just worth talking about the front three. They're not a wide front three, are they? They're quite no. narrow, and they also have the freedom because obviously the goal that Chapman scored against Swindon, he was on the right hand side of Maine where he starts on the left. So I think that really helps that we kind of trust those players to kind of do what they want in that final third, which yep. helped. Um, but yeah, um, nice bit of play on the left hand side. Wally gets the ball, comes inside onto his right foot, sees Chapman run into the box, long ball um, into the box, and the finish from Chapman was just fucking ridiculous. Oh, it it was you know brave as well, because he, he had the goalkeeper yeah, coming yeah. to him, he had the defender coming to him, he, the post was not far away from him, and the finish was just ridiculous. It was up amazing. Into the net. Up into the net. That's the yeah. skill about it. It's not just a side footer down low. He, he puts it up over the keeper, he knows he's never going to get it. But what's better, the finish or the cross, Ollie? I mean, you know, Wally, Wally's cross is a is spectacular, spectacular one. And we talked about them being quite narrow, but the move starts with Ogbetta doing a really good run down the right-hand side, Plays it into Wally, gives Wally that little bit of freedom because Ogbetta doesn't stop. He keeps going. He's beyond Wally when Wally crosses it, which is the best thing about it. And, you know, that shows his confidence to get forward and, and help a winger. And then, yeah, Wally with his sort of old winger days, wasn't it? It was like the Paul Hurst season. Take a touch, look up, and then just play it perfectly into the path of um, what would have been John Nolan, I suppose, is now is now Chapman. And it's a great finish. It's a great goal. One, one of the better goals we've scored this season for me. Um, I know Chapman's used to scoring like long range goals, but that was two bits of skill to, to require that goal rather than just one long-range hit so yeah he's, he's definitely scoring good goals for our football club isn't he he's definitely going to be up there for goal of the season as it stands <laughs> yeah for me it was also good to see him score a goal in the box because yeah. yeah obviously we like him to score in long ranges but long ranges are uh you know they're low xg shots low probability of scoring so i'm really pleased that he got in the box to score that shows a different side to his game yeah and yeah you were right to kind of single out um, or better pushing up from the left um, is a real good threat. Um, another class game for him. Some of his passing and movement and decision making is just superb. And, and another, another thing I did want to mention, Ollie, quickly about that goal, and, and you should give. You know, we talk about the full front three on this. Is the player that won't get noticed in that movement, and having played as a as a target man for the way sports for years in a terrible fashion, um, is Maine because. 
if you look at him, he's marked by two centre backs for some reason, and they, they were so worried about Main being the the opportunity, you know, for the cross because you know logically he's been the one we played it into the whole game. That he, just by him taking that second centre back out again just leaves um, uh, Chapman with, with a one on one really in terms of his defender. So you know, a lot of work from the front three for for a goal. It's one of those goals you can break down and, and look at all the positives because it was fantastic. But um, what's the word? Most controversial moment of the game because in reality this should have been a three one goal, shouldn't it? The one that Chapman scored um, because there was a goal that we scored that got taken off us for meaningly seemingly no reason as far as I'm concerned yeah it was really odd so it's a free kick from Goss goalkeeper spill, um, spills the ball throws it almost into the back of his net and for some reason they said it was it was offside I can only assume it was Worley but Worley wasn't interfering with play no um, and I think the, the the linesman absolutely balls it up here um, and yeah, not not good. We don't we don't normally talk about officiating, and we don't normally talk about officials at all on this pod. No, um, unless there's something serious to talk about. Uh, we don't talk about that, the marginal stuff, and we're normally fairly. I think you know, if Wally dies, we'll say it's a dive. But um, yeah, th- this was an absolute howler, um, and it should have been three one. And and to be fair, the Sunderland fans said there was nothing wrong with it either. No, it was nothing wrong with it. Wally was never, ever, ever impeding with the view of the keeper from that situation, was he? He runs across the keeper, but the ball's in the back of the net by then, and it's a horrendous error, and that keeper got so lucky to get away with it. And um, yeah, you're right, it hasn't really been a season where we've consistently criticised referees. You know, some seasons we've seemed to have them bad referees back to back to back, and there's been annoying things where they've not cracked down on time-wasting, which gets on your nerves, and there's been a few, a couple of bad ones like we had that night with the offside, and I think there's been a, a, a few that I can think of across the season. But, you know, it doesn't, the, the level of refereeing doesn't seem to have been overly rubbish this season I don't know whether that's because there's no crowds in there and there's less pressure I don't know whether there's something in that but we've definitely hardly talked about Fraser all this season no we haven't no, no we haven't it's weird yeah. Um, which was yeah, which was which was odd, but yeah, um, yeah. Overall, though, I thought it was a good second half from Shrewsbury. Um, we had a few other chances, didn't we? Where you know um, Chapman's counter and tried to put the ball into Worley, but he couldn't oh, quite yeah. couldn't quite do anything with it. Um, but then there was a few chances for Sundler as well. There's a header wide in the box that was a really good chance. Um, but overall, I thought we were good for the two one win. Um, and yeah, very very pleased to to. I thought we were going to rise at the table, Glenn, but we stayed seventeenth. <laughs> Standard, isn't it? Standard. It's it's a much more secure seventeenth, though, isn't it, Ollie? We are. Um, yeah, there's a nice. Is it a gap of six points now, or maybe a little bit more? I can't quite remember what it was on on that night. It'll obviously change today, but um, yeah, it was, wasn't it? To be fair, and another another assist for Maine, who gets two assists. And we should we did mention Ollie. You asked me to track the Curtis Maine Will Grigg yeah. battle a few weeks back. So um, you know, Maine went on to get his second assist that night, but <laughs> Will Grigg made his uh, second appearance for um, MK Dons, who won four one, and he got two assists. So neither of them scored yet um, after two games. They're both on two assists. So we'll keep track in that Ollie we'll see who ends up as a, as, a, as more of a scorer I suppose or who ends up getting more assists but um yeah it, it was great to be fair and as the game was ticking on I thought Town saw it out really well Ollie um they, they had a couple of chances didn't they as it went on there was a, a free kick um that I think McGreedy had later on that was a real worry wasn't it I think yeah. it was sort of into injury time and it was the last chance and, and be- beautiful little save from Sarkic who I thought we haven't mentioned him really was really good in the game his again coming out and claiming the ball his kicking was way improved from some of the yeah. dodgy performances we talked about um and yeah I, I, I thought he deserved a fair bit of credit in the game yeah, yeah, he did made some good saves and he um during the game um kept us in it, um, which is pleasing. Um but yeah, I don't think they threatened us too much um overall and I thought we were good for the win. Yeah, there was one shot they had that just went just wide, which I thought was in, but yeah, definitely a, a win we deserved and probably 
Um, oh, this is the question I put on Twitter, and I think I'm, I'm fair and right in saying this, is that obviously under Ricketts we beat Sunderland, didn't we? Um, when uh, Cummings scored, uh, and it was a 1-0, but we played back to the wall pretty much the whole game and had like low percentage, <laughs> like in the low 30s, and I think we had two shots in that game against Sunderland. We beat them at the Meadow um, under Ricketts. This game was much better. We played better football. It was more enjoyable to watch. We had 15 shots in the game in total. We had more possession. Um, we didn't have 50-50-ish possession, but we were just a bit shy of that. And overall, you know, to me, when you compare how we were playing these games against um, Sunderland's and Hulls and, and Ipswich's under Ricketts and how we're playing them under the current setup that we've got, this is a, probably the best example of how much we've improved in terms of not giving teams too much... Um, uh, you know, unlike the first half, but not giving them too much credit. You know, not saying, "Oh, we're little shoes of town. We've got to defend the whole game." We're not playing like that now. Are we? We're actually going toe to toe with these teams, and we're getting results out of it. And we just wish we started doing this two years ago, really. <laughs> yeah, and we we had a lot more chances from them than open play as well. Yeah, which yeah. is always a good indicator of who was the better side on on the day. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a best better performance from us in terms of those two Sunderland games. So, yeah, there we go. I tweeted out on uh, on Twitter straight afterwards, Ollie. There's always one team in the playoffs that comes from nowhere. Um, <laughs> so it could be us, Ollie. We're gonna gonna keep looking at it as it goes on. But um, uh, before we get to talking about where we are on the table, um, just go for your top three, mate. Yeah, so I went for Chapman first. Um, scoring goals is the hardest part of football. I went for Ebanks. I put Ebanks in here once, for not just for this game as well. I thought he's, he, we haven't put him in the top three for a while. Um, I think he's been really yeah. he's got back into form, um, and then I went for Sarsic for the saves he made. Um, I thought he was really good. Um, mm. So yeah, sure. proper chuffed. Um, yeah, could could there could have been other players in there? You know, you know, there's a lot of players that are doing really consistent performances. Like I thought Norbin had another good game. Feller was good. Goss was good on the ball. He was really Wally. good at linking at play as well. Yeah, yeah. Wally was good. Main was good. Yeah, so, yeah he's no one could really. You know, Ogbet had another good game again. So whole team performed pretty well. To be fair. Yeah, I mean, we've got this... Maybe we're getting a man crush for Chapman, but I, <laughs> I went for him for man of the match as well. But he clearly was a man of the match, not just the goal, but his overall level of play is championship quality. It really is. We can't, we can't say anything else other than that. He's a he's a level above what we are generally normally. Um, but I also think a player that's getting to that point and probably will be in about five, ten games is Ogbetter, who I went for second place. He's quality. And like we've, we've mentioned him in the last few podcasts and been really positive about it. But I just like his overall level of play, his commitment, his energy levels, his fitness. Um, it's clearly not a stamina issue for a young lad coming into to men's football um he's intelligent and he's got a really good first touch and he can cross as well so lots to like about him i thought his overall level of performance was fantastic in that game and like you similarly i went for ebanks mainly because he took that horrible smash to the head against um the game before last didn't he and since he's had that smash to the head he was brilliant the rest of that game and again faultless in this game really um and just think you know the the guys played through the pain barrier probably on that they took a big blow to the head in this game at one point went down for a couple of minutes and i thought you know if there's someone going probably going through the pain barrier and putting their body on the line at the moment it is ebank so i wanted to make sure he's in my top three as well but i agree there's there's loads that we could have included um and and we haven't got quite round to yet but we will we will be giving everybody praise if these results continue ollie yeah, most no, definitely. Um, so what did um, assistant manager have to say? He said, yeah, really pleased with the character of the lads. Um, to come back into the game was unbelievable. The gaff of them was for half-time and to believe. Um, he had a really calming um, influence. And then on the game, on the goals, he said, yeah, the first goal was great bravery from Curtis Main. And the gaff has been given Ethan um, Ebanks Landon a bit of banter about needing to score. So it was great for him. Um, he was bandaged up and wrapped up from Saturday, but that didn't stop him. And the second goal was a great move. Their manager complimented us on that. It was a great ball and a great finish, and there's nothing wrong. And with a third goal, the keeper just made a mess of it. This their manager said the same. Um, so yeah, overall pleasing result, three points. Um, but just a shame we couldn't rise in the table. Yeah, it'll come. I, I'm I have full faith it'll come, Ollie. You know, let's just look at where we are in the cultural. We played twelve games, won seven. 
drawn three and only lost two, taking twenty four points from a possible thirty six. I mean, it's just mental. The whole from a team mental. that's a good that's a good set of results. Then you add to the fact that we were in the relegation zone and, and looked like you know Ricketts couldn't even get a point, he couldn't even get a goal, couldn't keep couldn't keep a clean sheet, um, and to, the turnaround is just absolutely yeah unbelievable. And you know, in that post-match interview, we obviously ripped through it quite quickly there. But the, the comment that really stuck out to most town fans was um, Will Brown when he said, "I think, um, I think we still need to realise he's in hospital. He gets out of breath speaking to the lads. He's putting his body on the line for the fans and the club. After 40 days in bed, it's unbelievable. And obviously, you know, beyond 40 days now, still in hospital. And you know, I think that's why obviously it was nice to see that banner get put up because maybe that was the, the little message really that town fans need to see about how much." of a bad way he's been in. And there's obviously been talk about how he's had to have steroids in the last couple of weeks to, to make his recovery go through. And, and it just everything I read about it, I just feel so bad for the bloke because he's he's overseen what are, for us is a fantastically amazing period in the football club's recent history. You know, we are absolutely loving Ollie. We can't pretend that this, this form's not amazing. And at the same time, this poor bloke is fighting for his life at times by the sounds of it in hospital. And so the, the dichotomy between those two feelings is really stark, isn't it? And quite quite tender, I think, for, for town fans and, and, and anyone that's sort of got... A, a, a bit of love for the for the club or the manager. Yeah, I kind of like it's for me. It's it's kind of like there's two sides to it. It's like yeah, it's it's, it's kind of it's a, almost a bit of a romantic story. You know, he's working hard. He's you know he's not with the club, but yeah. at the same time, I want him to stop and yeah, get well yeah, and come back. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he can hopefully he can do that this weekend and focus on his health and and come back stronger. Because while it is great that he's supporting the club and stuff, um, I, I don't I really don't want him to be doing that at the detriment to his own health and also kind of almost delaying his, his return back to the club. Yeah, I mean, the more more I thought about those comments as the week's gone on, the more I don't think we'll see him this season. Like, and, and, you know, we're talking about it being 13th of February now. If he's if he's still in hospital, you know, might need another couple of months really to get himself back, back from what sounds like a really bad situation. So, you know, you're almost at the end of the season there. So I'm actually not worried if that happens. If he ends up re- recuperating at home and, and giving his opinions around Rilbaham and the team and we keep going down this this route and we stay up, that's more than fine with me. I'd rather he did that and got himself better to to come back next season but um, I'm sure the, the, I'm sure the one interesting thing off the, off the back of that Ollie was um, someone sent me a message saying off the back of this win um, the bookie slashed our odds from 66 to 1 to 22, 22 to 1 which to get into the playoffs that was which I thought was a bit crazy to be fair and it still seems quite a long way off but why not dream Ollie are you, are you allowing yourself to dream a little bit yeah no not yet it's too far <laughs> away we're 17th I think that's part of it as well um, and yeah I think we're kind of we are overachieving a bit in terms of our results um, in terms of like the XGs and stuff like that, in terms of the data, but yeah. I'm happy with the results. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get upset. You know, if we don't get in the playoffs, for me, I'm just enjoying every game. I'm enjoying going into a game thinking we can win, like how I felt this morning. Um, so for me, I'm not really worried too much. Um, yeah, I'm just looking, enjoying, enjoying the games, um, mm. and yes, seeing what, see what happens. And I suppose that takes us really to the rest of this week, Ollie. Predictions. Um, obviously, we have got no game against Ipswich today, so that changes the opinion a bit. So we'll be a bit more recuperated. And we're back on the road, Ollie, to a team that are having a reasonable season, Akron to Stanley. So, yeah, this should be an interesting one. Um, they're, they're not doing as well as they were, um, but obviously they're still, they're still having a great season. Um, so, yeah, going there, oh, I don't know, expectations. I don't know, maybe maybe it'd be a two-all draw. Yeah, they, they didn't play today, Ollie, either. So as much as I say our fitness will be up a little bit, I suppose theirs will as well, won't they? Because there's not much football going on at the moment. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Um, you know, I come away from there with a draw. I'd be more than happy, I think. You know, we've had some quite ropey results at Akronton over the last few years and then some some good nights there as well. So remember the game we came back 2-0 from um, yeah. with Faye scoring those two late goals? That was a cracking night out. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a... 
I'll go for a two-two draw. I, I don't know why. I think we'll just we'll have a crack and so will they, and might be quite an entertaining game next Saturday. So I'll go for a two-two draw next Saturday, Accrington. So yeah, there we go. Bit of a weird week, Ollie. Um, it's now just gone four, and I'm going to go and watch the rest of the football scores coming in, um, and then yeah, have a nice quiet Saturday night. So yeah, you can you know you can thank the your wife can thank um, Paul Lambert for getting the game called off and enabling you to have a Valentine's night. Uh, you convinced that, happened, even though you've got absolutely no evidence <laughs> to suggest it's the case, but <laughs> no, if that I makes think... you happy. That's, um, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm joking. I think I, I think I think you could. You just, love, you, know... you love you love a conspiracy, and you love. <laughs> oh man, I'm out of someone to blame. So yeah, I'm going to. Uh, Gonna get we got some nice um, a nice little brownie delivered from a local bakery oh, little cafe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna boot up football manager Glenn. I'm gonna try and find sign a few players. I've got a 70 million pound transfer kitty to splash. Oof, unbelievable. So unbelievable. And I managed to get Shrewsbury in my in the year the years 2025. And I didn't mean to do this, but we we got in the in the Europa League, Glenn. So I need to sign a few players. So uh, the Meadows now 20,000. We've got under four heating. <laughs> And um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to, the, to that. We're on the march. Oh, we'll be there one day. We'll be covering our podcast on, on Town Getting to the Europa League one day under Steve Cottrell. You watch, Ollie. So yeah, there we go. Thanks everyone for listening this week. Um, yeah, be a bit of an early one. We'll probably put it up Sunday morning-ish. And um, yeah, we're back yeah, next week. Yeah, go on and edit it, Glyn. Yeah. It needs to be All out right. today. No, um, no slacking. Yeah. It's, it depends what else is going on in the family situation at the moment. You know what it's like. Um, but yeah, there we go. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And um, yeah, there we go. We're back next week with Accrington. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the gaffer's on the mend another week now. And we'll see you next Sunday. This is Williams, number two. And it goes towards Stevens. And Robinson gets to it. And that's it. Shrewsbury have done it again. And the substitute scores. The clinching goal.